Hey, welcome to the Encounter Mercy Podcast. I'm Vince Dragone. I have with me Father Andy Boyd, and I also have with me, and I guess with us, AJ Gedney. How's it going, gentlemen? Oh, hello. Good to be here. Hi, guys. So, uh, AJ, we haven't talked to you since uh, before Christmas. So, how how was your holiday? How was uh, how was Christmas? How was New Year's? How's your uh, vacation from schooling going? Yeah, uh, things are going well. So I think like probably, you know, everyone else in America and in the world, the holidays were kind of different this year. Um, but it was nice because instead of running off to parties, uh, getting things ready, driving long distances for Christmas, just kind of hung out at my parents' house and the whole day just kind of relaxed um, and ate and drank. And it was actually really nice. Um, so I think um, I was very fortunate because I know a lot of other people you know, couldn't see family or friends or go to the places they wanted. But yeah, that was pretty laid back. Uh, New Year's was laid back. I didn't do anything for it. Um, and that's actually kind of nice. So, uh, yeah, things have been uh, pretty easy going here uh, at the rectory. Um, during my time off, because I'm sure things will get chaotic once the semester starts back up again. Well, yeah, you- when do you guys have to start back at school? Sorry, Vince. Oh, that's okay. Um, February 8th is the first wow. day of the semester. Um, and then, as you know, we go up the week before for a retreat at St. Emma's. Um, so that's still happening, which I'm excited for. But yeah, they kept pushing it back. Well, wow. you're only, what, two months away from your diaconate ordination too, right? I am. Uh, March 27th. Yeah. God willing. Yeah. Time flies. Time flies. You prepared? Yeah, that's exciting. Um, hopefully when I get there, I'll be <laughs> yeah. as prepared, prepared as I can be. Nice. I remember, I remember uh, talking to Father Andy before his, uh, and I was excited for you, but I know you were pretty nervous. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember thinking, well, I mean, because that's really the first major step. I mean, honestly, priesthood, which is amazing. I'm, I mean, thinking back to my ordination was, I loved I loved it. Um, I think it was a wonderful experience, a wonderful day. But I think um, diaconate being is the first step of it. You know, the first time that you take the promise of obedience, the first time you take the um, promise of celibacy, the first time you take uh, all these different promises that you make to the bishop and uh, all these different actions that happen, um, the laying on of hands, the lying prostrate, um, you know, that happens for the first time at diaconate. So, you know, it's, it's an experience, I mean, I've never had before. You know, uh, maybe you've lie, uh, lied prostrate before on the ground. Um, you know, I remember when I would help out at my home parish, the pastor would tell me as well to lie prostrate on on uh, Good Friday and mm-hmm. when we enter the sanctuary. But, you know, that's not the same, right? It's still not the same. Um, so I remember thinking, you know, for the first time, it's going to be awkward and unknown. And then once you get to priesthood, like, all that stuff that you have to redo is so easy. You know, you don't even think about it. It's just, oh yeah, mm-hmm. we got to do that again. So it's, and you get to watch it with your own eyes when you're watching someone else get ordained. But when you yourself are experiencing it, it's just, yeah. So I remember at Diakon, it, it is a bit more nerve wracking, I think, than priesthood just because it's so different from anything else you've ever experienced. Yeah, yeah you're going from a, a lay person to a, like an ordained cleric like a yeah. member of the clergy um yeah and I, I like i like telling people uh when they ask about orders and how the vowels work and stuff is the joke is you make obedience twice because it's the hardest yeah. you just make the vow of celibacy once at the right right 
are celibate for the rest of your life, but you do obedience twice. And I think the joke is because it's the hardest one. <laughs> so true. It is true. It, 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 uh, being obedient. And it's not just, I mean, yes, uh, we promise obedience to our bishop, but I think where it really comes into play is being obedient to God and being obedient to his will uh, because often it's like, well, no, I want to do it my way. I want to do my will. But um, having to be obedient to God and and recognizing the bishop as our spiritual father um, and at times being the voice of God for us, it can be difficult because sometimes he'll say something to us and it's like, well, but I don't agree with that. Well, maybe, maybe God is the one telling us that, you know? And mm -hmm. so, yeah, that totally is true about um being obedient to the spirit and also being obedient to our bishops and i, th I think that's something everyone can relate to um you know they, celibacy no that that's a, that's something very hard for for us lay people to understand um at least a lot of us but obedience i mean we have to yeah, obedience to God. How many times do we fall because we want something for ourselves and not because, you know, we don't want to, you know, we're stepping away from God in order to to satisfy some desire that we have. Or obedience to your job, obedience to your children, your family, whatever it may be. We all struggle with that. And yeah, it is hard. Yeah, yeah. So with that, have you gotten your official letter yet? No, just um, an email from the... Uh, director of seminarians um i asked him in an email last month uh just because the things are chaotic because my bishop uh, could retire any day now right he's 75 turned in his letter uh last july and then covid so i just want to double check um because I've, I've submitted my addresses to the uh, diocese so they can send out invitations when the time comes um but uh nothing official yet just kind of email or word of mouth okay well Fingers crossed and praying definitely, you know, uh, for myself and I know for Vince and then I hope for our listeners as well. Uh, we're praying especially hard for you, especially at this time, because I, I remember it wasn't really feeling um, uh, real until I got that letter. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But uh, Vince, you kind of started to talk about it is, um, you know, we're kind of all called, especially with the three evangelical councils, regardless of your vocation to live those, right? You know, poverty, chastity, obedience. Um, and to live them in according to your vocation. Uh, but I think what I want to talk about today is virtue, right? Everyone should encourage virtue in themselves. Um, for, a fa for a parent, for a father, for a mother, they should encourage virtue in their children. As a priest, you should encourage virtue in your, in your parishioners. Um, but I wanted to talk about something that I learned uh, early in seminary when I was studying Thomas Aquinas, uh, the great uh, saint, um, theologian and philosopher of the church. So he has the huge work, the Summa Theologiae, as you may know. And in the, the second of the second part, uh, the Secunda Secundae, he talks about virtue. And I remember one day in class with our professor, we're talking about virtue. And he said that Aquinas was a huge uh, follower and reader of Aristotle, because right? Aristotle mentions virtue. He talks about having that golden mean, uh, right? Having virtue being in the middle of two vices. Uh, but I realized that Aquinas talks about that too. And I thought it was really interesting because you could take a virtue like um, fortitude, and a part of that is perseverance, right? Uh, which is enduring in a, in a difficult act. Perseverance, that's in the middle of a spectrum that you can go too far and have the vice of excess, or you can go the other way and have too little and have the vice of uh, deficiency. Um, so I'll give an example. We can kind of talk about it because I thought it was really interesting. So for perseverance, the excess is called pertinacity. That is an unreasonable 
persisting for the end or the goal. Um, and you keep going when it actually is reasonable to give up. So that's like being too perseverant. Where the other end, the uh, vice of deficiency is uh, effeminacy. Now, you have connotations with that word today, but Thomas Aquinas, it was a different, uh, there's a different meaning for that word, but it meant um, yielding too easily to difficulty or toil. So you can either uh, give up easily on a hard task because an action is hard, or you keep going when it's reasonable to give up, whereas perseverance is in the middle. Yeah, I guess I never really thought of it that way. It's Yeah, it's kind of a sliding scale and you can, you can, you know, you, we all, how many, you know, how many times do we, we find ourselves, we learn something new and for example, um, I read, uh, one of Dave Ramsey's books. If you don't know Dave Ramsey, he's the get out of the debt guy, the finance guy. And it's really easy. I know. Remember as soon as I read his book, it's like, we are going whole hog on this. And it's, you know, he basically says until you're out of debt, you're eating rice and beans, beans and rice. And, and you got to save every single penny. And, and it, we, we tried for a very short time and it was like, we're burning ourselves out. Like I, Hey, mm. whoever, if you can do it, great. But then there's the opposite end of it, which is, ah, screw it. I'm just going to go into more debt, like every, the whole rest of the world. And, uh, and you know, who cares? Who care? I'll retire someday. The government will take care of me, whatever it is. And that's complete opposite. But then you can have somewhere in the middle where it's like, yeah, I, we want to get rid of debt, but at the same time, I want to make sure I feed my children and all that stuff along the way. Um, and yeah, I guess we can take that with, with anything. It can be, Hey, I'm going to have one drink or I'm going to have 10 drinks, um, which could or be even no thing. drinks or no drinks, which is also a bad thing because it's yummy. But <laughs> well, you know, honestly, what I was, what I was thinking, and I, I totally agree with that. Like, because you can become, um, almost like this, this entitled attitude. Like for instance, if, if we talk about alcohol, let's put that like forefront. And then I also want to mm-hmm. say something else too to this, but, um, like alcohol. Okay. I'm not going to have any, well, why? Like, are, are you doing it for noble reasons or are you doing it for reasons that are like, you know, like just because you're, you want to show everybody else that you're better, you know, people who are alcoholics. Yeah, absolutely. They need, need to stay away from alcohol, but if you're not alcoholic and you're staying away from it, well, well, you know, okay. For me, for instance, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm lazy. I really shouldn't drink alcohol because what's that? Fat and sassy. (laughs) Fat and sassy. That's right. That's right. I'm going to stay home and eat donuts and get all fat and sassy. Hey, can Um, you get, can we get him a license plate that says fat and sassy? Oh gosh, <laughs> I would never put it on my car. Um, I'd hang it up, but I would not put it on my car. But you know, I probably shouldn't drink a lot of alcohol for numerous reasons. You know, pre-diabetic, I drinking alcohol, sugary, not good, right? But in the same breath, like someone who just you know, you you don't have to drink. I'm not saying to people, all right, if you don't drink out there, you got to start drinking now. But it's the idea of like, why are you doing it, right? Why are you doing it? But also, what I'm thinking about with it is. Um, water. You know, we all need water to live. I love water. You know, I drink a lot of water. I have water with me all day, but if I drink too much of it, that can kill me. If I don't drink enough of it, that also can kill me. So it's a perfect, it's like a balancing act. You have to make sure it's just the right amount. So yeah. here, Father here's Andy, another, oh, go ahead. I say, Father Andy, it's interesting you brought up um, alcohol because I think, I'm pretty sure Aquinas does talk about sobriety. Yeah. Um, and the same thing, mm-hmm. there's a middle one, you know, um, one is like, Having a couple of drinks, that's the middle. And of course, we know there's drunkenness. That's a sin. That's the excess 
but I forget what the word is. It was some middle, uh, like some um, medieval word for like not drinking at all, but to the point where like you're super rigid and you judge others yes. and you're just stingy and just super uptight. That's like, exactly no, what I was that, trying that, to remember because I remember yeah. studying that as well. Yeah, but. yeah. I, I, I forget. I, it's probably some really cool sounding word, uh, but the point was, you know, wine, it, I think he even says like, is drinking wine a sin? It's like, no, in itself, you know, creative things are not in themselves evil. You right. know, it can be used for evil means. But again, I thought that was interesting that, of course, one, and you have drunkenness, that makes sense. But also there's just like stinginess, you know, uptightness. Yeah, and that self-entitlement that can come from it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we've all met people like that, whether it's no matter no matter what it is. But let's go right. to like a um, more of a uh, an example that hits home on the, on the Catholic side of things. So I, I try to think... You know, when uh, AJ, when you brought up this topic, I was thinking like, okay, what am, what am I going to think? What are some other things we can talk about here on this sliding scale? And one of them uh, that I see is, okay, so we, we need to make sure that we're um, accounting for our sins. Now, when we go to confession, we, um, you know, we, we, we're able to confess our sins, that we know what we did wrong, and we can fix that. So there's, there's one end of the spectrum, which is scrupulosity. Which is, you know, you see you see that a lot with new converts, and you see that a lot with people who are just coming back to the faith. I know I was very scrupulous for a long time, um, and I was thinking everything was a sin. Um, and it wasn't until I actually sat down and talked to my pastor, and he's like, "No, you're you're thinking of this way, 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 way too too mm-hmm. too much." Um, but then there's the then there's the opposite side of the spectrum, which is um, not thinking things are a sin and just ignoring them. Um, but we need to be somewhere in the middle and, and knowing that, okay, yep, that was a sin. I need to stay on this path or no, that wasn't. Um, and, and try not to be either scrupulous or, or too lax and just sitting all the time and not giving it, you know, not caring. You know, I, I ran into an article and I wish I could find it today. Um, because this whole idea of self-righteousness is really important uh, with this, because scrupulosity and self-righteousness, like they feed into each other. And I can't remember, I wish I could remember where I saw it. It might've been on the Catholic Reddit um, that I've been on, but <laughs> you, there see, was an article. you see a lot of that on Catholic Reddit. <laughs> well, there is, that's, that's exactly what I'm thinking. And someone posted an article about how um, we need to step back. Uh, here's one article I, I remember reading, the stepping back from the brink and what this guy is talking about is and it's from catholic philly um the catholic newspaper of the archdiocese of philadelphia um and he's talking about how you know being self-righteous in the fact that i i know jesus is right inside of me and he's telling me i have to do this well and, and but if you're not like if you're not balancing uh, balancing that out with a prayer life then you're you're lying to yourself because mm-hmm. You know, you can't just know what God it wants for you to do unless you have a conversation with him. And that's exactly what prayer is for us, and it needs to be for us. So um, we have to be careful of that because the other thing, for instance, Pope Francis is asking uh, – had asked us last Lent, but of course Lent got kind of screwed up. But I think like this is a great thing that maybe we need to take in for this Lent as well. For Lent, the Pope is asking Catholics to stop being mean to each other. And not just being mean, but on social media as well. You know, the only way to get to heaven, yes, is through the Catholic Church. 
But there's a lot of characters in the Catholic Church. And if we look at the saints, there's a lot of saintly characters. I mean, Aquinas and um, you know, John Paul II, they may have taught the same thought the same way, but they were two completely different guys with com- two completely different mentalities. And so I'm not saying what is right for you might not be right for someone else. I'm not saying that at all because that kind of leads into that relativistic. We we know the right, we know what's right. We know what's right. But we also don't need to have this attitude of, well, what is right for me has to be the the only way for anybody else to get to God. Yeah, you know, I and one when you said that, it made me think of uh, what I saw this week, just anywhere on Catholic media, whether it's social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Reddit, how Pope Francis basically signed into law that women can now be officially lectors, right? And all of the negativity because of that. It's like, are, are you are you kidding me? Like, first of all, women have been unofficially, I guess, lectors for, for as long as I can remember. In fact, there's more of them signing up than men in every parish that I've ever been to. And you're, we're going to, we're going to argue over this and say that Pope Francis is being a heretic. Like, come on now. This is the kind of self-righteousness that it's like, I I don't know if we can recover from this. And it it just, it's just, it hurts. Like it hurts to see it that, that I think like the Catholic groups is a safe space, a place that we can all, uh, grow in holiness together um, on social media, but it just seems so divisive now, and it's just yeah. it's sickening. The one thing about the uh, just real quick, because I don't want to, I don't want to talk much about that whole thing with what Francis said, because uh, that we could devote an entire episode on, and I, I don't want to deal with that right now. Um, but j- since you brought it up, the real quick thing on that is I, I, the reason why people are getting so heated about it, and it does, I understand, is because it used to be, it used to be used to be that's key used to be considered a minor order for ordination to right. the priesthood yeah and and so when it was changed there was poor catechesis on the church's part to explain what was being changed about it right and so i didn't read the article completely so uh aj if you know specifically what i'm what i want to know is did he say it for both lector and acolyte or just for lector i th- do we know i think it's both uh, okay I th- we the reason the reason why is because people are now saying uh, right or wrong. I'm not, I'm not commenting on that. What I'm commenting on is what people are complaining about. And what they're complaining about is they're calling it a slippery slope to women's ordinations. We can set that aside. We can set that aside. And we've talked about this before. The Holy father said very clearly, there is no case for women's ordinations. He let them investigate it. Why did he let them investigate it? You know, if you have a child, and Vince, I know you have two and one on the way. <laughs> Especially um, the Germans. If you have a child, <laughs> sometimes you have to let them learn things on their own uh-huh. because they're not going to believe you, right? I mean, we all did this with our parents. At least, at least I know I did. You know, we fought with our parents because, well, I want to do that. Well, I'm telling you, you really don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. It's not going to kill you, but in the same breath, like it's not going to be fun. You don't want to do that. Yeah, you want to get, you get like dressed on your own. Yeah. Yeah, but your kids have to learn that on their own. We had to learn that on our own. Our parents knew that was bad. They knew that was stupid. They knew that you shouldn't do that, but we had to learn it on our own. So what did Pope Francis do? He said, go ahead, research it. 
I'm telling you right now, it's a waste of your time. But he had to let them do it. And so he said, once the research came back and it said no, he's like, well, there's, I told you, there's nothing we can do. It's not, it's not that I don't want to. It's the fact that God has deemed this this way. So with that being said, there's uh, this fear that it's going to slide into women's ordinations. And, and I think people need to stop freaking out about that. And, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in his church. And honestly, it's not our church. It's not your church. It's not my church. It is the Holy Spirit's church. It is God's church. We have to let him do what he wills. And right now, the Holy Father has been elected by a consensus of the cardinals. And we have to, uh, we have to follow that. So that's just my two cents on that. But going back to our topic back, at hand. Back to the main topic. Yes. Let's, let's talk about justice. <laughs> Yeah, so um, another example uh, would be another one of the cardinal virtues is justice. And for each of these in the uh, in the Summa, he takes each of the big uh, virtues, brings them out into their parts, breaks those down. I mean, it's it's really cool. I mean, I, I, liked, I loved reading it again because uh, it is super, super informative and interesting. Um, but so there's a part of justice I want to talk about, and it's um, devotion and reverence. So like re- like religion. And, and he considers religion a virtue, right? Being religious. Um, now, let me start with its deficiency because this one makes sense. It's the excess one I think is cool. So the deficiency of reverence or devotion is like uh, perjury, which is lying under oath made before God. Um, and sacrilege, that's also a deficiency. That's in a reverence to sacred things. So that makes sense. This is, you know, what if you didn't have any reverence? You didn't, didn't have any devotion to a religion? You do these things. Now, the excess is superstition. Um, and what he says about it is he says, um, that's when someone offers divine worship to either something they should not, a manner they should not. So having the virtue of religion is good, but if you're giving, you know, uh, you know, uh, your astrological sign, all this power or tarot cards or Ouija boards or psychics, giving this divine worship you know, the control of your fate that you should not. So I thought, I thought this was interesting because it makes, makes sense. Okay. If you're just, you know, not devoted or reverent toward anything, you know, perjury, you're fine with that sacrilege, you know, who cares if this is a holy thing, but if, if you're too, you have too much devotion, you end up giving to things that are not divine and that, and those things that you shouldn't give worship to. When you said that something reminded me, um, something came up in my mind. Um, my diocese, the Diocese of Erie, sent me to Miami for two years to study la lingua de español. Pero mi vocabulario es muy pequeño. Yo soy un poquito. Um, point is, is that I did not learn Spanish. But one <laughs> thing I did learn was the Hispanic culture. Have you ever heard of something called Santeria? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. For those who don't know what Santeria is, Santeria is a um, syncretism between catholic the roman catholic form of uh christianity and the a traditional west african religion and it ends up mixing these two understandings together into a really messed up picture because these people start worshiping in weird ways like for instance cutting off the heads of chickens and making sure you deposit them at church or taking statues of certain saints and breaking them and shattering them in uh, brown paper bags and leaving them at church. 
to get the evil spirits away from you. And like, God is not asking us to do those kind of crazy things. But besides that, Santeria is a very good, in my mind at least, um, image of what um, is going on when when Thomas is speaking about uh, an excess. Because um, that is like one, at least in the Hispanic culture, that is one way to look at the excess of um, devotion. Because they want to take it to a level that isn't there. They want to take it to a level that God is not calling them to. And is wrong in general by the Catholic Church's stance. And so Santeria is definitely, it's its satanic. It has some satanic uh, rituals to it. It is not a part of our church and is fake. It is, it's bad. Bad, well, bad, bad. Stay away from that. When, funny you bring that up, Mona. I mean, one thing I, I've heard of is, um, especially amongst the cartels, is they will wear a rosary. But in, instead of, uh, for Mary, it's Santa... Murte, I think. Santa Marte. Yeah. So Angel the understanding of death. with that, yeah, the understanding with that is, is because to them, Mary is God. A Santeria practitioner or a Santeria participant, practitioners are like their, their witch doctors is a good way to put it. And the participant is just like anybody that participates in this belief. The Santeria believers uh, believe Mary to be God, because um, we have to take into the understanding of the traditional West African religion. And the West African religion believed is that they were polytheistic, but is the same God. So they're saying they're monotheistic, but God takes on many persons. So they're saying it's not just three persons of God. There are multiple persons of God. And Mary, and this is the interesting thing, Mary, who was human, was possessed by God and therefore became God. And so she is now another form of God, another person of God. So like it'd be instead of a Trinity, you'd have, well, I don't know what the four word for that is, but instead of three persons, you'd have four persons of God and that's Mary. And so they believe that Santa Santa Maria, which just means Holy Mary or Saint Mary is God. And so they wear it like um, armor, like we're told to pray it for armor, but they wear it for armor. Well, this is also Santa uh, Mer- Merte or Mer- Santa Merte. Sorry, which, Santa which, Merte. Yeah, which she's basically a skeleton, yeah. depicted as You're right. Mary holding a sickle. It's like, yeah, and and she is the bringer of death. Yes. Yeah, and you can pray it, it, to her for to get rid of up. your enemies. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, exactly. But you see this. Yeah, you, this is something that you see, in, especially in, in that culture, and it's it's a shame. But that, let's bring it. Let's bring yeah. it a little closer to home now. You know, I talked about a weird culture that is not in our part of the world, right? Where, uh, for anybody listening, we're in uh, western northwestern Pennsylvania as well as uh, northwestern Kentucky. So like we are in a completely different world. You know, there's not a huge Hispanic population is very minor. There's no, as far as I know, there's no Santeria practitioners in our part of the world. Um, And if there are, they're very quiet and very hidden. But what can this look like? Well, um, and I often can see myself falling into this as well is, you know, praying to St. Anthony when I've lost something, you know, I have lost my glasses Christmas Eve. I was the last time I saw my glasses. I lost them. I have been saying to St. Anthony, I thought you found things, you know, I'm putting 
now I know it's a bit of a joke, but it's when you put your trust in something like that that uh, then replaces the trust you have in God, right? And so that I, this is really an interesting topic. I'm glad you brought this up, AJ. And I'm also glad that you're very good at transitioning from banter into this because we are not. But, um, you know, it, that whole idea of having too much religion can easily fall into that because then we start falling into these, like you said, these, um, oh gosh, what the word now escapes me. But we put our trust in something that's really not where we should be putting our trust in it. Sure. And, and I think that's yeah. where a lot of these... Um, so we have the approved marrying apparitions, but then we also have some pretty outrageous ones that you hear about, but they have a following. And I think this is just, this is part of that where, if, Absolutely. Hey, we're just, we're taking this just a little too far. Yeah. I think it comes back to, um, the root of all sin, which is pride. Um, but cause Andy, that made sense is yeah. when you said people want to like get extra devoted, it's like, Oh, the church isn't giving me enough. I'm going to go above and beyond. That's it's kind of a form of idolatry is you're deciding what is God or you're deciding what is good to worship. Um, and even for like um, the worship of saints, again, which Catholics don't do, uh, but with other practices like Santeria is um, they're putting their faith in something that is not God. Yep. Just it's not ordered. So like, no, but the saints are giving worship and inter- inter- interceding to God for us. Like We don't worship them. Right. Uh, but like they're deciding, oh, well, the church is handed down for millennia. We're gonna ignore that and do our own thing. I know. I know. For, at least for this, like for superstition, um, is that part of uh, the excess for religion and devotion? It's it's a pride thing for me that you're deciding what is too much or what is too little, like, and you're not putting faith in the church and what she teaches. You know what's comical, and and when you said that, something else that popped in my mind. You, you may experience this. Hopefully, you don't. But. One thing that I've experienced twice now when hearing confessions, and I find it hilarious. I find it absolutely hilarious. Um, usually, my penance is very simple. I, I don't. I don't try to make it very difficult. Father Warren, when you get into class this spring um, or next spring, um, he will talk to you about this. And one of the things he says is, is always make sure that the person can do the penance, um, because if they can't do it, that's not fair to them. It, it granted they don't need to do the penance for their uh, forgiveness, but it's still not fair to them if they can't do the penance. So I always ask after I give the penance, do you think you can do this? And I've never had really anybody say, no, I can't do that. Uh, except when I asked one time, one person to pray the um, St. Michael prayer, they said, I don't, I don't know that prayer. I said, okay, never mind. How about we change that? But, um, I remember on two different occasions, someone came into confession, and after hearing their confession, I said, all I ask for your penance is that you pray one hour, Father. Do you think you can do that? That's it? That's all you want? That's not enough. I need to do more. I said, no, 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 you don't. And I'm telling you right now, you don't. I'm telling you what your penance is. And I am telling you, your penance is one hour, Father. Nothing more, nothing less. That's it. That's that's all God is asking you to do right now in this moment is your penance is one our father. That can't be right. That's not enough. That's not enough. That That's another sign of taking our um, devotion too far into the excess because that is showing that I don't trust God. I don't trust that what he is deeming worthy for me and appropriate for me that obviously I have to do more because if, if I'm not doing enough, if I'm not rubbing these beads enough, then obviously I, I'm not in the grace of God. And that leads into the, the issue of we can't, 
we don't earn God's grace. We don't earn it by anything that we do or we say or our prayers. It's given to us without reservation. And all we have to do is open our hearts up to it. And so that can fall. I totally can fall into that sin. It's so easy to fall into that sin. But it's almost comical, too, because you're like, what do you mean that's not enough? I think it's almost like, uh, you know, maybe that person thinks, oh, I need to do more to earn God's forgiveness or my sins are so bad. They're almost kind of making themselves God, like they're deciding what the right penance would be. And again, it's the first sin's pride. It's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. So uh, it's funny that it's come up before, uh, Father Andy, with you, because it's it's a thing with humanity. It's original sin is it's that idolatry where we try to make ourselves God and we do things that God does, right? You know, God, I want to hand over a hard penance on myself. Like, well, no, God's asking you to say, when our father. And I think maybe the hard part in there is, is the humility. And like be part of your penance, like you might want to do more. You're like, oh, but I have more devotion. But like we said earlier, um, obedience can be hard. And so it's yeah. trusting in God. And then, you know, uh, the uh, person confessing puts their trust in you as a, a minister of, of Christ in his church um, and being in a place of Christ that they trust that this is necessary, this is good, this is what I need in the moment. And I hope you never have that experience, but if you do, know that you're not the first. And I've heard it from many other priests too. They're just kind of, they laugh at that because it's like, what do you mean? What do you mean it's not enough? <laughs> I have heard, you know, Father, I, I, that's a lot. I don't know if I can do that. And I, that's only when I have ever given someone like three Our Fathers and three Hail Marys. And even that doesn't seem like a lot, but hey, if that's a lot, okay. Well, how about just three Our Fathers? Can you do that? Oh yeah, I can do that. Okay, that's fine. At least, that's at fine. least they're honest. Yeah. Right. Well, AJ, thanks for joining us tonight. Really appreciate it. And thanks for the awesome topic because uh, Father and Andy and I would have just probably chatted about our week and how things went. And we probably would have never Nobody gone on to an actual that. topic. Yeah. Nobody wants I that. I always love it when Father Andy asks me for a topic because, like I've said before on this podcast, I think about the faith and theology like just all the time. Like even in my holy hour when I should be praying, I'm just like, you know, big is God or like how how large is the universe? Uh, so whenever Father Andy's like, we need a topic. I'm always like, oh, right. Yeah. Like, let me come up with something cool. Which thank God you do. Because like I said, like Vince said, and like I said, uh, if you didn't come up with a topic, we, we had nothing planned today. Yeah, neither <laughs> of us we, were, we were We were floundering. I, I was, I was picking paint colors with my mother all day. So yeah, that was, uh, uh, we could talk about all the different shades of gray there are because, you know, that's there's, what they're painting their living room. There's but, 50 shades, 50 shades of gray. But you may have to come up with more topics coming up here soon because my third child will be born here soon and I may not be around to do recordings. So for a little bit anyway, I'll be back, but I'm not sure when it's going to be. Could be next week, could be the week after, could be the week after that. Might just be you and me, AJ. We're going to have to keep, we're going to hold the fort down. You can do that. Yeah. Yeah, We'll uh, we'll be praying for uh, you and your wife, Vince, and your family that everything goes well. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. Have you come up with, uh, have you agreed on a name? When I last talked with your wife, there were, there was like a few and I threw a few out there and she's like, well, I like that, but I don't think Vince will like that. I think we're down to three that we agree on. Okay. And one I, of, one I of said, them, I, I'm not, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to tell any of them now because it probably, and because if I say it, then we'll jinx it and then it won't be any of them. Yeah, but absolutely. No, no, we don't. Do that. don't <laughs> one do that. of, one of them is named after our lady. So we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, I I said to Cassandra um, that you should pick someone from the Roman canon. 
I just say, you know what? There's a lot of great female names in there that I really like. Um, Agatha, Lucy, uh, Agnes, Cecilia, Anastasia. I mean, those are all great names. Hey, I, I really I like actually, them. I like Agatha. Aggie for short. I, I, I like it. But It's cute. It's a cute little name. I think it's a great name. Yeah, that's not on the list. Yeah, I think it, it, means, like, oh. it means goodness or truth in Greek or whatever. But yeah. if, if you ever had a boy, Chrysogonus, you can call him Soggy. <laughs> soggy. Oh, that's horrible, but I like it. Or Chris, you know. But still, Soggy's better in some way. All right, we got to wrap this up. But uh, have a good night, guys. And, and everybody who's listening, if you haven't already subscribed, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Uh, and check us out on social media. Also, you can head on to our website, EncounterMercy.com, where you can find the latest of what's going on with us. So with that being said, uh, we will see you next week. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.